right, so here we are at the end of the book of Philippians. A lot of good stuff in this book. Just a little review before we go uh, through this chapter. So first off, remember, Paul is in prison, uh, and the persecution is heavy right now during this time. And he's really writing this to, uh, to encourage them. And part of the reason he's writing this to encourage them because they had also encouraged him. And so he was, he was blessed by that. He was thinking about these people. He was concerned for them. You know, it, it bothered him and it worried him that they were worried about him. He wants them to know he's all right. You know, he sends them a Paphroditus because he knew that this church loved that man and that they were sad about how he had been sick. And, you know, this wasn't like it is today where you could just do a Facebook post and say, hey, Epaphroditus is doing good. He's fine. You know, and he, he wanted them to know that he's all good. And so he sends them back knowing they're going to be thrilled to see him. So uh, he's, he's just thinking of them. Paul could have used them, but he's, he's thinking of them. And so, um, you, know, they, uh, you know, the things that they had sent to Paul, it was to be a blessing during a difficult time. And, you know, everyone, you know, that is involved in this chapter, everyone that's talked about, you just see a constant, Paul's thinking about them and they were thinking about him. Everybody's just thinking about each other. And that's the title of my message tonight, is thinking of others. That, and that is something we see throughout this book. We're going to see it more in this chapter. Just a constant focus on everyone else. You know, let's, let's look out for the other person. We're not just looking out for ourselves. We're thinking about other people. And really, the 100% of Philippians is exhortation. In fact, I went back, I read through it again. There is not one rebuke in this entire book. You know, there's things that he warns them about. You know, he's, he's encouraged them to do right. He's encouraged them to stay away from certain things. But there's not one example in the entire book of Philippians where he's rebuking them for anything, which is something that you see Paul do in some of the other books, especially like in Corinthians. And there's a good lesson to be learned there, too, especially if you're wanting to be a pastor someday. You know, it's important that you know how to, uh, that you are able to read a situation and just know what to do at the right time to do it. You know, there's a time where you need to let the church have it. But, you know, there's also a time to comfort them. There's a time when you need to lead gently and you just need to exhort. And I believe right here, Paul saw this as a time to exhort because, one, they're going through a really tough time. I guarantee you, I'm just speculating here, I wasn't there. Paul doesn't talk about it in this book, but I guarantee you there were probably some people in that Philippian church that messed up, you know, that didn't do things exactly right. But this was not a time to rebuke. They're being persecuted. He's in prison. I mean, what he's going through, you could see how it would possibly scare some of the other ones from doing right. I mean, when the guy that you're following, when your leader is in prison, I mean, isn't there a good chance that you're going to get in trouble too? So this would be a real good time where people might just want to flop out and quit and give up. And he's encouraging them not to do that during this time. But he doesn't, he's not chewing them out. He's not rebuking them. He's not bringing up people who quit and calling them losers and things like that. There is a time when you just need to be nice and encourage people. And there is a time to be mean. But some people just don't know. You know, some, some people are just really bad at just because they can't, they're not, they don't know how to think about other people. They can only figure out their emotions at that time. I'm mad today, so I'm going to let everybody have it. And that's just kind of how they are. And, you know, you can't be that way. You know, there's going to be times where you might feel like just letting everyone have it. But it's like, 
You know, you got you got to be smart. You got to think about other people and say this is not the time for that. And the Apostle Paul, obviously being the good leader that he was, was able to do that. And this was not a time for rebuke. It was a time for exhortation. And that's what you get throughout the book of Philippians. He's just trying to make sure they keep going and do right during the difficult times. And so even though things were bad, it's clear that the Apostle Paul was sure. And I don't think he's just being optimistic to make him feel good. The Apostle Paul was convinced, we see in this letter, that things were about to get better. He was convinced that the work that they were doing was going to pay off. And that as a result of it, they were going to have their salvation, physically speaking. He was going to have his salvation, physically speaking. He was going to get out of prison. And so he did. He believed that better days were coming. And so he's not just saying that. He was convinced of this. And so he's just trying to get him to hang on because he doesn't want anybody missing out. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, and I've felt that way before, too. As a pastor, I mean, I have always known that, you know, at this church, that we're going to reap if we faint not. You know, that things are going to, you know, get better, that God's going to bless, great things are going to happen. And, you know, one of my concerns has always been, you know, I'm not going to give up, but, you know, I would like for everyone to enjoy the blessings with us. You know, I would like, it's always kind of been my attitude. I want everyone to make it into the promised land. You know, I don't want to leave people behind in the wilderness, but you know, sometimes you got to leave some people behind in the wilderness. There's going to be some people that flop out and, and crash and burn and die in the wilderness, but you just got to keep on going. And so as a pastor, you do, you want everybody to be there. You know, you want everybody to, to participate in the blessings. And that's how the apostle Paul felt. And so really the book of Philippians is kind of a feel good book. It really is. And, and sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need, I mean, we need the, the strong rebuke. Sometimes we need the reproving. But sometimes we just need to be exhorted. And that's what we see throughout the book of Philippians. So in verse 1, it says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So, I mean, Paul, he's, I mean, he's kind of pouring it on here. I, don't, I believe he's being sincere. He loves these people. They were, his, they were his joy and his crown. And remember what Paul said he talked, when he talked about the crown of rejoicing? You know what the crown of rejoicing is? He said, you in the presence of the Lord. You're that crown of rejoicing. One of, I believe, any, any Christian, any soul winner, one of the greatest rewards that they will ever have is one day seeing people that they led to the Lord stand before God and be in heaven. And then especially if it was somebody that you trained, someone that you discipled, to hear, see them stand before the Lord and hear the Lord say, well done, I don't think it's going to get any better than that right there. And I know that's what I want to see. You know, I want to, when, whenever the rapture comes and we're all in heaven and standing before the Lord, the people that I've pastored, the people that I, I have worked with, you know, as a Christian throughout the years, I want to, one, I want to see them there in heaven, but two... I want to see them, or I want to hear them getting a well done from the Lord. I mean, right there would be the best thing that I could ever get. The best sign of success of the ministry is to hear that. And so he refers to these people as his joy and his crown. He's saying, stand fast. Once again, he is reminding them to keep going. There's always going to be opportunities to quit. There's always going to be the temptation to quit. 
But we've just got to keep going. And so that's what he's pushing them to do. So verse 2, he says, I beseech Eodius and beseech Sintichi, I'm probably saying these names wrong, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now this is interesting here because, once again, there's no rebuke in here, but he, he singles out two guys, and we don't know who these guys are. We don't know what's going on. But he mentions that, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. He's reminding them, he's telling them they need to make sure that they are united. These could be two guys that maybe had conflict in the past. And you know, when things are difficult, that's not the time to just start worrying about petty things. And until you, you mark it down, you know, you, want, you, you know when people are going to reveal their issues to you? It's when things are tough. When, whenever there's problems going on, all of a sudden, that's when everybody decides, like, you know what, I've got a problem too. You know, everybody just wants to hop on the bandwagon. I saw this, I saw this many times growing up in my dad's church. Whenever, you know, everything would be great. People would be going to the church for years. Everything seems happy. Nobody's complaining about anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, hard times come and people start leaving the church. And then all of a sudden, all these people, they're starting to bring up their problems too. You know, it's just like, shut up. Let's get through this storm and then tell us about your problems. I mean, really, you're going to make a big stink over something that petty, something that stupid in a time like this. And I've told this story before, too. One of the times when there was a lot of people leaving or going through a tough time at the last church, just people leaving over stupid stuff. All of a sudden, this one family that had moved away like over a year before, it was like they got word that things were tough at Lighthouse. The people are leaving the church and everybody's bashing the pastor. So these people who had gone to the church for maybe a couple of years, never said anything, never complained about anything, they decided during that time, for some reason, to send my dad a letter rebuking him for the fact that he often referred to children as kids, and a kid is a goat. And they rebuked him for having a program in the church called King's Kids, because kid is a goat. And he sent my dad a picture of his child with a kid, a goat, so my dad could know the difference. And you know, and it really, you know, and it, it really bothered my dad. But I, I remember just thinking, what a scumbag! You know, and this was one. And I've said this before. I used to have a lot of prejudice against homeschool families. All right, I always had prejudice against you know big. These big families, homeschooled, they were always a bunch of weirdos that complained about petty things, all right? And let me tell you something. I'm 100% for homeschooling, but even in this movement, there's a bunch of these weirdo homeschoolers that just freak out over the weirdest things. They make homeschooling look bad. They go in churches. They cause problems over the dumbest things. That's just how they are, all right? And you can't be that way, okay? You can be a homeschooler. You can have a big family without acting like a bunch of freaks, all right? And without being a troublemaker in a church. And there's a, there's a, there is plenty of reasons that a lot of pastors have to have problems with people like that. A lot of people have asked for it. And it's not, it's, it's not right, but that's how these people were. And they sent, they, you know, they sent that, and I was like, you know, that guy was too big of a coward to ever say anything while he was at the church, in the presence of, of my dad. So what did they do? You know, they moved off to Pennsylvania where all the weird homeschoolers always go to so they can be even more... They, they always go to Pennsylvania. That way they can 
fit in better around all the Amish people when they want to wear their head coverings and all that stuff that they get into. And yeah, got, the guy had like 12 kids and he dropped dead a few years later. I, and I don't even know what up, but just, you know, losers. All right, now, why would, now, first off, why would he do that? Why would he send it then? There's one reason, the devil. The devil knows when to tag. The devil kicks when you're down. Okay? And the devil uses, you know, bad people, and sometimes people that we think are good people to do that. So you've got to understand, when there's tough times going on, when people are going through difficulties, that is never the time to let them, you know, know about your grievances and your problems you have with them. Okay, that's a time when you comfort. And so the Apostle Paul here, he's telling these guys, hey, you know, just be of the same mind. He's given a friendly exhortation here. He's not, it's, this isn't time to jump on him. But you know what? Because we're going through a tough time, whatever issues these guys have had, with, had in the past, you know, now's the time to put these things aside. And you know what? Be of the same mind. Get united. Because there's, there's more important things. You know, there's battles going on. There's spiritual battles going on. And there's bigger problems going on in the world today than somebody calling a child a kid. So, you know what? Get over your little issues that you have. Yeah, and you do. You just have these people, they want to come into church and they want to just rebuke everybody in the church. You know, they always got to just be the Scrooge of Christmas, you know, and rain on everybody's parade because they've got Christmas trees and, you know, and do presents. And, you know, their kids went and got their picture taken with the reprobate Santa Claus. You know, there's a pedophile and they just want to ruin everybody's fun, you know, and they just and they'll, they'll stir problems up in the church over stuff like that. You know, shut up. Okay? And they these people especially do it when times are tough. That's just because it's like they know it will do the most damage then. And you do, you'll just see these people coming out of the woodwork. And it's just, it's the way the devil works. And you've got to learn when to time some of these things. If you've got a real legitimate issue with somebody, you know, you should ask yourself the question before you're going to deal with it. Hey, is this a good time? I, I, I know they just... You know, their, their mom just died and their kid's sick and in the hospital. But do I, do I really need to get on to them this week about how they took my parking spot at church? Is that, is that really the time? You know, that's how, that's how people are. Okay? That's, that's a selfish person that thinks that way. And you do. When you're not willing to, or when you're just unable and you're just clueless about what your words could potentially do at that time, it's because you are a selfish person you're thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about other people. And you say people wouldn't do it. Like, yeah, no, they do do that. And they're clueless about it because they're not thinking about the other person. That is the opposite of what we see going on with the Philippians. So they're just, they are constantly thinking about the other person. Paul's thinking about them. They're thinking about Paul. Paul, his concern is that they're concerned about him. That, that's the attitude we see with them. And so he's telling these guys, you know, be of the same mind. And so we, we don't want to let our personal problems get in the way of the work of the Lord. Sometimes you just got to set these things aside and say, you know what, this isn't a good time to deal with it. You know, maybe we'll deal with it in the future at a better time. You know, what, maybe we'll just put up with it. Maybe we'll just allow ourselves to be wrong, allow ourselves to be defrauded. And we'll let God deal with it. You're allowed to do that. So verse 3 says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with my other fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. So right here, this is strong evidence that the Apostle Paul 
was not a male chauvinist like a lot of people believe. You know, Paul's, you know, he's referring to women that helped him. That, you know, they labored with him in the gospel. What does that mean? They obviously are going out soul winning. And, you know, it's funny because people like to act like the Apostle Paul was a male chauvinist and he was down on women. No, he wasn't. The Apostle Paul constantly referred to women that were a blessing and that were a help, that were fellow laborers. It's just that the Apostle Paul doesn't make the rules. It's just that God doesn't want women preachers. God doesn't want women usurping the authority over the man. It's wrong. It is a sin for a woman to usurp authority over the man. And so the Apostle Paul, he just had to write what the Holy Spirit told him to write. It's not his fault. And the Apostle Paul, he didn't have a problem with women. He was thankful for the women who labored, who were a help. And I guarantee you these women who labored with Paul weren't bossing him around and telling him what to do. No, they're following his lead. And they're being a blessing. And they're, they're being a help. So there was, the, the, the Apostle Paul had no problem with women. And we are not down on women. In this church, not at all. Okay, we're disgusted by women preachers because it's a sin, because it's unbecoming. It's just it's it's wrong, and it's out of place for a woman to be bossing a man around, for a woman to get up behind the pulpit and just you know, preaching it, you know, just letting her rip to a bunch of guys. That's revolting. Okay, and any real man has a problem with it, and. You know, don't we all have a problem when we see that wife is just bossing around her husband? He's like, yes, dear. You know why? Because as men, we don't like wimpy men. And we don't like manly women. It's just, it's just nature. We all have a problem with it, but it doesn't mean we're down on women. No, the fact that we have put distinctions between male and female, the fact that we believe that they have a role that can only be fulfilled by them, shows that we are a hundred percent pro women. We are pro women. We believe a woman has the right and should be able to do what God created her to do and what will actually make her the happiest. We're not so down on women that we want them to be like men. Those are the real people that are against women. The real feminists are people we're the real feminists. We are for women being feminine. And we're for them doing what they were created to do and what they were designed by God to do. We're the real feminists, if you ask me. But I'm not going to go around using that term because I don't want to get associated with the feminists. I don't want people to get the, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. But don't, don't ever let people convince you you're, we're, we're down on women. We're not. The world's down on women. So verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Never take a break. From praise, praising the Lord, praising everything. When things are going good, rejoice. Things are going bad right here, but the Apostle Paul says, rejoice. And that's another thing, too. You know, we all know this verse, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul said this from prison. That's a very good fact. Remember that whenever you're feeling like singing the blues rather than rejoicing, remember that the Apostle Paul wrote this while he was in prison. So, verse 5 says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So notice what he says in verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. 
Okay, and he says this right after telling them to rejoice. You know what he's telling them here to do is we ought to be emotionally stable people. There's a lot of things that if we wanted to let it, it could you know make our emotions go all over the place. But we ought to be emotionally stable people. You know, we we shouldn't be the type of people that are just always just spazzing out and freaking out over everything. Every time we watch the news, all of a sudden, you know, we're all up in arms about stuff. And just every time you see, you know, you're on Facebook and you're just seeing what everybody's fired up, then all of a sudden you're fired up and in a bad mood. You know, have some moderation. Okay, let it be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. God is near. Therefore, we should be emotionally stable. Now, but did you see what? You see what they're trying to pass in Congress right now? You realize what's going to happen? If they, what, if, what if they impeach Trump? What if they impeach Trump? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's like, you know, what, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know what? The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. I'm going to be just fine. Okay? Whether Trump gets reelected or whether it's Joe Biden gets re or whoever... I'm, we're going to be fine either way. Hey, we survived Barack Hussein Obama for eight years, didn't we? Hey, we're all still here. That was supposed to be the end of the world. If we didn't vote for John McCain and Mitt Romney, we were going to get Obama, and he was going to just destroy this country, and we were all going to be in big trouble and everything. We're all doing just fine. You know, the Lord is at hand. So, you know, we're going to be moderate people. Yeah, but didn't you hear what Greta Thunberg, Time Life Person of the Year, said about the climate? Man, we're all going to be burning to death in you know, just a matter of a few years because of all our fossil fuels. I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm going to be just fine. I'm not going to freak out over all these things. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So whenever there are problems, whenever there are potential dangers, are we just supposed to just have no emotion? Are we supposed to, you know, because there are, I mean, you know, sometimes there are bad things that happen. But what God wants us to do, God wants us to give these things to him. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And what does that mean to cast your care on him? You know, what does that mean to, you know, how do we do it? Because that's an easy thing to say. You know, when somebody's upset, when somebody's emotional, hey, casting all your care upon him for cares for you. And I don't recommend you just say that to that person that's really struggling. Okay, this is something you use more for yourself. But at, at the same time, how does that work? What does that look like to cast your care on him for he cares for you? Well, you know, there are some things that we need to do ourselves. All right. So, for example, you've got some people there, you know, that. When it comes to everything, I'm just going to leave it in the Lord's hands. When it comes to getting the lost saved, I'm just going to leave it in the Lord's hands. Well, now, actually, there's some things he put in our hands. Okay? Obviously, you know, we want to have the Lord near us. We want to have him with us. We want to, uh, him to empower us. But we're not going to sit around doing nothing. Okay? You know, I want the Lord to help you know, give me good messages to preach. But I'm not going to quit reading my Bible and just sit around waiting for God to just inspire me with something. Okay? I'm going to do some work. You know, there are things that, there are things that I can do, okay? I want the Lord to provide for my family, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit around and just wait for him to send me a check in the mail. I'm going to go work myself. There are some things I can do, but there are some things that there's nothing I can do anything about it. There are some things that are literally beyond my power, beyond my control, 
There's nothing I can do. So, and aren't those typically the things that we sit around and worry about the most? But those are the things that we give to the Lord. So whenever there is a situation where you're like, you know, there's literally nothing I can do about it, give it to God. So I'm going to let him worry about that. You know, I can't do anything about all the reprobates in Washington, D.C. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let the Lord deal with them. Now, when it comes to, you know, if, you know, certain sicknesses, you know, you find out have some kind of cancer, you know, sometimes there's just nothing you can do but give it to the Lord and just do that. And then don't sit around worrying. Be someone who is has some moderation, who has some emotional stability. It says in verse 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay? As Christians, we shouldn't be people that are all on, you know, emotional or mind-altering drugs to keep us mentally, you know, okay. You know, we ought to have the Lord for that type of thing. And we shouldn't be somebody that's always popping pills and has to do all these things to help us out because, you know, we've got the Lord with us. Therefore, we should have nothing to fear. I've illustrated it this way before, that if, you know, one of my kids, you know, Let's say one of the kids in this church, one of the younger boys, it turned out there was like some bully out there waiting for him. And, you know, I told him, that's all right, I'll go outside with you. And he's like, still scared? That tells me he doesn't think I can handle that bully. It's like, why are you scared? I'm with you. You shouldn't be scared. You know, that kid, he's like two years older than me, and he's in eighth grade. I think he could probably take you. I, I think I can handle that. Well, you realize when the Lord is with us and we're scared of these things, what we're saying is we don't think God can handle that. That's an insult to God when we're still worried when he is with us. So we shouldn't be that way. It's wrong for us to be that way. And it shows what, how, we, how we think about God. And that's not good. So the casting all our care is when we just give things to him. We let God worry about it because there's nothing we can do about it. And the way we disobey that is when we worry about things and we obsess about things. That's when we're being disobedient to that. So you might say that you can't help but worry and that you can't help but think about it. But folks, that's what verse 8, where verse 8 comes in. Look what it says in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. And you're going to have to turn your TV off. If you're going to do it, because you, you go turn on your TV, good luck finding anything that fits these things right here. We don't think, you, you know, we don't see, watch movies about justice. When was the last time you saw a news report about a judge making a good decision? No, it's always about a bad decision and the riots as a result. You know, we don't we don't see those things on the news. We always you only hear about the bad politicians when you know you hear about the lies, you don't hear about the truths. You know, and that should make it on the news when one tells the truth. And you know, it actually might even be more common than we think. The problem is the news doesn't talk about it. And if the news talks about doesn't talk about it, then it didn't happen in our in our minds. So the thing is, you know, we wonder why we've got so much emotional instability today. Maybe it's all the television people are watching. Because, I mean, you mark these things down 
you go, if you, if, you don't have, if you don't have cable or you don't have the news, just go on foxnews.com and just look at the headlines. Look at their main headlines and just check and see if any of them fit in these categories. I guarantee you they will all be opposite. You go watch any television show, any movie. You're not going to watch a television show about the guy who just, they're not going to make an episode about the guy who was faithful to his wife for 50 years. It's going to be about the guy cheating on his wife. That's what you're going to watch on television all the time. And then you wonder why you're all messed up in the head. You wonder why you don't have any emotional, you know, any emotional stability. It's because you're watching junk. And you're supposed to think on these things. Well, how am I supposed to do that? There's nothing on television about it. Read your Bible. You know, there are some good books out there. You know, maybe actually go and, you know, interact with some people. Let people tell you some, you know, you know, get around some positive people. You know, there are positive people out there, you know, that, are, that have good days, that are happy people, that are fun to be around, you know. But, and, but the problem is, your people that you hang around with all the time are all on social media. And folks, social media is for the drama. You know, nobody pays attention to positive posts. You know, that, that's not what people are looking for. You need to actually get around some flesh and blood people sometimes. And you actually find out that, you know, there's some good things that are going on in the world. You know, you go and, you, you know, and, and every once in a while, you, you ever just sit around and listen to ladies talk? All right. It's kind of funny, right? Because, you know, first off, uh, you know, the, the, the subject matter is vastly different between ladies and guys. But, you know, ladies often will talk about, you know, funny stuff their kids did. You know, deals they got at the grocery store, uh, you know, a sale on hair care supplies at Walmart. You know, I mean, you know, the, there, there's usually, a, when you get a bunch of ladies together at church, it's usually pretty positive stuff that they're talking about. I mean, I, I don't see this around here much. Now, I've been places where it's like this, but I rarely see the ladies in the church sitting around talking and crying and hugging. That's not what I usually see. It's usually, it's usually more positive uplifting things all right and, and you know and guys too you know we we talk here a lot about bible stuff you know we talk about stuff that's going on but and usually kind of how we do it here too even if we're talking about bad stuff we're usually laughing about it making it fun all right you know we're talking about the new reprobates of the week you know that's out there and just you know goop, we, we talk about the goofy stuff that just goes on in the new ifb world there's always something to laugh about all right you know and you know, that's, just kind of, that's kind of our outlook on it. But folks, you know, the interaction that I get with the people here in this church is very positive and helps keep me in a good mood. And it's amazing how many people, they don't go to church and they wonder why they're always miserable. They're never around flesh and blood people. It's all media, it's all television, all social media, and they wonder why they're emotionally unstable. You need to get around some of these things. You know, you, you need to actually hear some of this good stuff, and you get that around the right kind of people, and you're probably going to find, you're more, more likely to find these kind of people in church than anywhere else in the world. So, you know, people who just aren't in church are missing out. And they, they need to get right with God, and they need to get in church. It's very important that we get a hold of our thought life. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, folks, how are you going to do that? Watching all the trash and all the filth that's out there. How are you going to do that? Watching the news all the time. You know, you listen to these Fox News Baptists, you know, and just listen to the stuff that they're always obsessing about and tweeting about. You know, and you wonder why they're, they're so messed up. You know, it, and it's, it's funny, too, because you listen to these guys. You know, you go to your typical IFB meeting and the you know, preacher's conference, pastor's fellowship and stuff. I've, gone to, I've always gone to as many of these things as I could over the years. I don't go to too many more because I don't get invited anymore. But um, it's always Fox News talking points. That's all, that's all they want. It's, it's Fox News talking points. And it's funny, too, because I've noticed this with Baptists. Whenever you get around these, and I'm talking about my old IFB friends, whenever you get around them, they're always talking about the news, and it's always, this is the way the line always goes. I've always noticed this. I was watching Fox News. It's never I was just watching the news. It's always I was watching Fox News. It's like you have to specify that. And I remember when we were, we were in line, uh, Brother Lonnie went with us when, we went to go, uh, when Ted Cruz was up in Rockford. We went to go hear from Ted Cruz. That was a huge letdown. And uh, he, he was going to be there. We went to go listen to his speech. I can't tell you how many times I heard people in conversation. I was watching Fox News. I was watching Fox News. It was just like, it was like they had to throw that little thing in there. You know, because, you know, if you're a Republican, you know, the rest is all fake news, right? You know, and then, and then you got, you know, Fox News is the good stuff. So they got to specify, but folks, if you watch Fox News all the time, your thought life's going to be messed up. When I watch Fox News, I get in a bad mood. I do. I get in a really bad mood whenever I watch Fox News. And I don't know why I do. Sometimes, you know, and, and the thing, I don't have cable or anything, but sometimes I'll go online, you know, I'll check the news stories and things. And sometimes, to, especially too, like when something really bad happens to the Democrats, one thing I always do, I like to go on CNN.com and just see, just so I can watch them cry about it, you know. And I just get in a bad mood when I do that too. It doesn't even help me out. I will say, I do kind of want to see Trump get reelected. Just for the videos again of liberals crying. <laughs> Folks, you can say what you want about Trump, but he did give us a victory that caused the, the great video montages of liberals crying. <laughs> and that was a great blessing. If we get nothing else from his presidency but that, that was great. And if there's a chance that we could get to see that again, you know, that might be worth, you know, that might be worth it. All right, so maybe go vote for Trump just for that. I'm, I'm just kidding. But I lost my spot. But yeah, Fox News, it's gonna, you got to get a hold of your thought life. That's not going to help. It's not going to help. So it says in verse 9, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. you know, it's good to have examples in your life of people who've successfully made it through hard times. And the Apostle Paul was a great example of that. He's, he's able to tell these people, hey, what you've seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I'm in prison, and I'm at peace. And if, if you follow my lead, if you do what I do, you also will be able to successfully make it. And that is another one of the great things about churches, is it helps us 
learn how to act with things. It helps us learn how to operate from day to day. So many people, they, they have no idea how to do anything in life. You know, the family structure is so messed up in our country. People today, they literally, and, and, I, and it's even with Christian people too in churches, a lot of times they're new to Christianity, and you'll see this. Be gentle with these people. All right, try to help them. But I've seen this a lot where people, you know, they, they don't know how to handle things with their kids. You know, understand if, if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, if you didn't grow up in a Baptist church, there's a lot of things you're not going to know. And, and I've seen this a lot where they hear the message on spanking, so they know spanking. I know this was, and it's like they just are beating the fire out of their kids all the time in church. All right, please don't do that. All right, Say, Home is the training ground. Church is the testing ground. If they fail their test at church, all right, give them their grade when they get home. All right? Okay? Just, just keep that in mind. But the thing is, you know how we learn a lot about how to handle our kids, how to interact with our kids, is watching other people do it who are raising good kids. You know, we see how this parent is with their kids and how they do things. I mean, it, it, and it's just, it's amazing the little things that you pick up, you know, from watching other parents do things. And so, you know, because we live in a world that is so cut off from other people, people have no idea. They, they literally, they do not, they don't know how to feed their kid. They don't know how to get their kid's shoes on, put their kid's coat on. They don't know how to do anything with their kids. They've never got to watch anybody. They've never had anybody set any good example. And, that, and, and I see this with a lot of these people, too, that do pretty much nothing but online church. Okay, when you do nothing but online church, you are missing out on a ton of stuff. Because if all you do is watch church online, you learn two things. One... No birth control, have a bunch of kids, and spank your kids. That's, that's all you learn. That, that, that's all you know from watching things online. So you have these people, they're watching preaching online all the time. So they do. Man, they're going, they're having a whole bunch of kids, and they spank the fire out of their kids for every little thing. But, you know, if they came to church, they would actually learn how to, from watching other parents, how to get their child's attention and to get them to pay attention you know, they would actually get to watch just how they handle certain things, how they do, you know, do certain things with their kids. There are so many little, it's, it's all the little things. And it's all these little things that they're doing wrong that's making their kids act like animals. And therefore making them just think they have to just spank them all the time. And you do. You need to get around other people and wa- that are doing good at living life and you need to watch them live it. If you're just watching church you know, on YouTube all the time, you know, you're not going into people's houses in the church and seeing how they live and seeing how they do things. You know, you've got, there, there is so much to be gained from watching other people who are doing right, that are, that are living life right. And, and you're going to pick up on things and you're not even going to realize it. You know, no, nobody's gonna, you know, nobody tells you when you're just watching somebody, you know, you don't even realize you're watching them. You know, you don't even realize that you're learning from that. But we do. We, we pick up on so many little things just from being around people. You're learning valuable things, and you're learning it from the best of the best when you're in a church like this. And the things that you get will be very valuable 
And people who just do online church, that's why they're the biggest knuckleheads in the social media world. That's why they're the ones that always talk big and beat their chest over stuff, but are just off the wall. Okay, it's because they do. They they have no idea. So they got it. They're the ones. They have to go on social media to tell everybody what a great husband they are. You know how strict they are with their kids and what a great parent they. They have to actually tell people that because of the fact that they don't get the satisfaction of the fact that they're actually doing it. They don't. You know they and the people who actually have a successful marriage and have good kids and are being successful in life, they get the pleasure of just having those things and, and being successful. They don't need to go around and just get likes on Facebook. And so just under, and understand that's who these people are, all right? Don't ever get caught up in the competition of blowhards online. Okay? Don't ever get caught up in that competition. These people are failures, all right, and they're fakes. They're not genuine. They have no idea what they're doing. Don't follow them. Follow the people that you are actually physically around, that you can physically see and watch. Don't fall for those pictures. We all know half the pictures, and we've all got them in our house. All right, the only reason your kids are smiling is because you told them they're dead meat if they don't. That's the only reason you look like such a great, happy family in that picture. All right, we all know that. You should see the picture. You know, my entire family on my, on my side of the family, we all got together for Christmas. We all got a picture. Looks like a great picture. Man, you have no idea the chaos that was going on before that picture was took. We got one split second that looks great there, but the rest of it was a nightmare. And that's just the way it is. All right, that's all fake. The real stuff you get in church. And I'm sorry, I feel bad for people that don't have good churches that they can go to. I really do. But sometimes I wonder, are you sure you don't have a good church you can go to? Or are you just making excuses? Because you will lack greatly. If you only watch church online, you will be unbalanced. And you're gonna, you're gonna, there's a lot of things you're just never going to get from preaching. You need to get around flesh and blood people. Very important thing. So, verse 10 says, but I rejoice um, in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now that's a popular verse there, but what, the reason Paul is saying that here is he was, he was very thankful for what they had done for him, but he, he's also saying he would have survived without it, because he knew how to be content. But it did his heart good to see them doing the right thing and to love him back. That's what he's saying. You know, I'm thankful for the things you sent me. But, and he's not saying this in a negative way like I'd have survived without it. Now, that, that, that's not the attitude he's having. But he is letting him know, whatever state I am there with, I'm content. I'm going I'm to do the right thing. But, He's commending them because it was. It was, in fact, a good thing that they did. And so the help that he got from what they had sent him, it was more than just a full stomach or whatever it was they sent him. What, the, what he got was just a, an emotional lift from it. It did his heart good. It did his heart better than it did his body, knowing that they sent him something. And, you know, and that's the same thing, too, often when people give gifts. Sometimes it isn't so much the gift. It's not so much that I just needed the, you know, the money or the, I needed the gift. 
It's just the fact that you know it came from a heart of love. You know, you know that they appreciate you. It does your heart good. And the truth is, you know, and I have, I have, I've learned whatsoever said I'm there with to be content. You know, I made peace with working a job outside of the church a long time ago, and I have been happy all these years pastoring and working at the same time. You know, and my, my philosophy has always just been as long as the church does what they can and that, you know, I, I'll be happy. And I've been that and I've been happy with that. And I'm, I am, I'm very excited that I'm going to be able to quit, you know, quit my job here real soon. I'm very excited about that. I'm not going to lie, but you know what? If I had to keep working, I'll be fine. You know, my family's going to get fed whether the church pays me or I get paid from somewhere else. Okay. But it's better for you. It's better for the church if I'm taken care of by the church, because that's the right thing. God's ordained that they that preach the gospel live of the gospel. It's better for you if I, it's done that way. So yeah, yes, it's going to do me good too. But either way, I'm going to be fine. I'll, either way, I'll still be happy. So that's kind of what the apostle Paul's saying here. So I don't want you all necessarily to get the idea too, man. That's time to be starving to death. We didn't pay him, you know. You know. No. I know how to feed my family. One way or the other, I'm going to feed my family. But it's better off, It's better for you, and, so, and I am. I'm thinking about you if it comes from the church. And I know, I've know i known pastors that they'll work you know, outside, jump, and they don't have to. It's like they don't want to take the money from the church. They're like, no, the church needs to be paying you. It's, it's their responsibility. The laborer is worthy of his reward. You are robbing them of a blessing, by doing that and you don't want them to get a welfare mentality you do not want your church getting that welfare mentality and i and i always tell pastors do not ever be bashful about getting paid if they just can't then they just can't but you know if when you're plowing you ought to plow and hope and if there's some increase being reaped as a result of the work you're doing don't be afraid eat it don't let them muzzle you they're not supposed to muzzle the ox never be bashful about that. And I've never been bashful about that. And, and I'm not going to be because there's no point in handicapping myself. It's not good for me and it's not good for the church. And so, but Paul was very thankful for what they had done for him. So, but, and he would have survived without it because he knew how to be content, but he did like seeing them love him back. So verse 12, I know how both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So Paul knew how to do the hard things and he had proved it, but he gave all glory to Christ. So, you know, and I'm running out of time. I'm spending a lot of time on this one. But, you know, let's take a moment, though, to compare Paul's all things that he can do through Christ compared to the modern Christians all things. Okay. Paul could be content in prison okay christians today you know we managed to read our bible you know for 30 minutes because the wi-fi was down you know yeah, we can do all things to Christ. you know are all things it's like you know i i can read through my bible in a year i can do all things to christ well you know that's that's pretty reasonable there you know it's like the, you know our things that we have to overcome are nothing compared to the apostle paul but yeah, we will do some little thing. We went soul winning for two hours. I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. The Apostle Paul was able to be in prison and still be getting people saved. 
See that here? I mean, it, it, there's no comparison. We ought to be almost embarrassed to say that verse. Like, you know, like we did some great accomplishment. Living in America, you know, our, our, our biggest thing that we can do, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, meaning, you know, I'm going to lose weight this New Year's resolution. Well, Paul's all things, but I'm just not going to starve to death. You know, that, that was Paul's all things that he was able to do. Ours is we'll be able to control how much we eat and not eat as much fast food or drink as much soda. And, you know, we're pathetic, folks. We just need, might as well mark it down. We're pathetic. Verse 14, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. So Paul, he's commending them again for the help. He said, And our friends that we fellowship with regular, who are regularly persecuted, you know, they would, they would all be fine without us. You know, our, our friends that, uh, you know, have, you know, been hammered this year. You know, we've had pastor friends that lost their jobs. And, you know, and we've tried, you know, to support them just a little bit. And you know what? The support that we've given, it's, it's not that much. And they would have survived without us. You know, because that's the kind of men they are. The kind of people we support would survive just fine without our support. But yet we do it anyway. You know why? Because we want to communicate with them in their need. If they're going through affliction, if they're going through a hard time, we just want them to know we're there for them. And so if that means sending a little money or whatever, you know, let's do that. Because yes, it will be a blessing. They'll, be, they'll survive without it. But we, just, we want them to know we got their back, that we're there for them. We want it to be more of an emotional help than anything else. Those are the kind of people that we support, people that would do just fine without our money. Because And that's the kind of character that they have. So verse 15, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated. And this isn't talking about talking to each other. This is talking about giving. Okay, Communicating here in the Bible is referring to giving financially. No church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul, I, I really don't need your money. But I want you to get fruit from, I want fruit to be applied to your account. If you are providing for my needs, if you're giving to me, you're going to get credit for what I do. That's what Paul's saying. And, that, and that's, it's, the truth, it's the truth here too. Either way, I'm going to serve the Lord. Either way, I'm going to win souls. Either way, I'm going to do the work of the Lord, but I would like it if you all were able to share in the blessings from what I do. So when you communicate with me, all right, that, that's a good thing. I want, I want you all in on the action. I want our church to be blessed. I don't want to just be blessed. This isn't about just how many blessings that I can get for myself. Okay? I want everyone to be blessed. I want, I want everyone to share in the blessing. And he says, but I have all and abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice well pleasing unto, my God, unto, unto God, for well pleasing God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This verse often gets used by itself. And people act like it's just a right as a Christian that we are automatically going to get all our provisions taken care of. Well, notice Paul said this to people who were giving. Paul said this to people who are taking care of the needs of others. Paul, so Paul referred to when they had given before in Thessalonica. 
So these were a very giving people that the Apostle Paul said God's going to supply your needs to. So it wasn't a selfish people that he said it to. It was to a giving people. Keep that in mind next time you want to bring that up. Are you giving to anybody? Are you being a blessing to anybody? Are you helping anybody? Are you communicating with anyone's needs? Because the people that Paul said God was going to supply their needs to, this wasn't just something he promised to all Christians. It was to people who were supporting the work of the Lord. So they had a history of being giving people. Verse 20, Now unto God and our Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. That's interesting, too, because we see here um, at the end of the chapter, it says to the Philippians written from Rome by Epaphroditus. So I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into this a little bit. Paul's in prison in Rome, and it mentions people of Caesar's household that are saved, that are saints, that salute you. I mean, this very well could be one of the reasons Paul was convinced that the work that they were doing was going to result in his salvation. There were people in Caesar's household that were saints. We had saints there who could maybe put a good word in to Caesar, get him to change his mind on what he's doing. I don't, I don't know. It just looks like either way, Paul, I mean, people are just getting saved everywhere and it ends up, it was going to end up helping out. I don't know that that's what got Paul out of prison. I really don't know. I'm just assuming. But, you know, I guarantee it didn't hurt him that there were people in Caesar's household that were saints. I guarantee you that helped him out. So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So the book of Philippians is a great template for how we ought to treat each other as a church and how we should treat even other churches of like faith. We should be in the business of encouraging each other and lifting each other up. There's going to be plenty of times when we're going to need it. That's what Christians do. We are supposed to be looking out for each other. And we should. If, if we would get more concerned about other people's needs, we might not get so depressed about our own needs. Because there's always somebody worse off than you. But most people think that they've got the worst situation in the world. You know why you're like that? Because you only think about yourself. Start thinking about other people. It will make you happier. I promise. It will make you happier and you'll be a better Christian because of it. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray you'll help us to follow these things, Lord. Help us to be looking out for each other as a church. I pray that we'll have a a real genuine concern uh, for our brothers and sisters in Christ and we'll always... uh, seek to do whatever we can to lift each other up. I pray it'll be the same way, Lord, when it comes to other churches and uh, other parts of the world that are of like faith that are doing the work of the Lord. I pray we'll think about them when they're going through difficult times. I pray we'll be a help and a motivation. I pray we won't be a self-centered people. I pray we'll be a people who have our thought life in order, that we won't get caught up in all the junk that the world's caught up in, and that we'll have peace in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand.